Hi, I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that path. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Let's build this place today. And as that spirit moves amongst us, Lord, may you use that spirit to transform the words that proceed from my mouth and as they fall upon our ears and penetrate our hearts, may they be changed into the word of God that we need to hear today as individuals and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. Before I get started, do any of you ever deal with seasonal allergies? I see that hand. Amen. Oh, my goodness. I thought I was doing good, and then I mowed the yard on Friday and stirred it all up. So bear with me if I have to clear my throat or take a sip of water. But thank you for understanding in advance. This day, we are beginning a worship series called The Spirit Speaks. We know that as we are building towards Pentecost, the season, the period of time between Easter and Pentecost is known as the Great 50. It's 50 days from the resurrection to the day in Acts chapter 2 that we are told about how the Spirit descended like tongues of fire. And so in this season, as we go through these Sundays, we're going to actually be looking at how the Holy Spirit interacts, how the Holy Spirit speaks. And we're looking at it from the lens of the Old Testament because we know that in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God was truly present. Uh, the Spirit of God would fall upon specific people at a specific time for a specific purpose. We see this lived out over and over in the Old Testament, such as the old, how the Spirit fell upon Moses as Moses was to lead his people. And I love the note where Moses would go into the tabernacle and he would offer up his prayers, his service. And when he would come out, do you remember, his face would shine. His face would shine so much that it, people were scared. They were intimidated by it. So he would put on a veil to cover it. That spirit of God that was upon him was so evident you could see it. We see how in different times throughout the Old Testament, the spirit of God would fall upon certain people to be warriors, such as the spirit of God had come upon Joshua a specific time, and a specific person, and a specific purpose as Joshua was leading the people into battle as they conquered the promised land. And the Spirit of God would fall upon some of the judges to help them with their discernment and understanding of everything that was to be done. The Spirit of God came upon Saul when Saul was anointed as king. But ultimately, the Spirit of God departed from Saul when Saul himself was not obedient to God. So throughout the scriptures in the Old Testament, we don't have to wait till Acts chapter 2 to get to encounter the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's present at specific times, specific purposes, specific people. We're looking at some different stories, particularly going through looking, starting off with the life of Elijah. As we consider the story of Elijah, it all begins, actually, the story begins with Ahab. 
Back if we were to read, I didn't want to make Brad read everything, but if we had gone back a couple of chapters, we could have started with 1 Kings chapter 16. In 1 Kings chapter 16, we begin to get some of the notations, the, the records of some of the previous kings of Israel. Now remember, Israel was chosen. They were set apart and given specific rules, very different rules to follow. And through this obedience, they would be blessed. And they were to live in such a way that as they were obedient to these rules and God poured out his blessings, everybody throughout the whole world would see them, know that they were set apart, they were different. There was something different about them and that everyone else would come to know and believe in the one true God through them. However, we see that this is not always what was happening. So in 1 Kings chapter 16, we have the list of some of the kings. And it, as we read through it, we see how this king was there and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. And many times it will reference a king and say, there had never been anyone who had done such evil in the sight of the Lord before him. And so, as we have this king listed and all the bad, how he had done evil in the sight of the Lord, then the next king, who had done even more evil in the sight of the Lord, then the next king, who had done even more evil in the sight of the Lord, and the next king, who had done even more evil in the sight of the Lord. Once again, this is for the people of Israel, people who were to be set apart and different, people who were to be that which people would see and know through them and the one true God. Then we get to Ahab, and Ahab, he does even more evil in the sight of the Lord, more than anybody that had come before him. And as we go going through the story of Ahab, we see that not only has he done evil in the sight of the Lord, then Ahab marries Jezebel, and she's the Jezebel before all other Jezebels. Have you ever known anybody named Jezebel? No. Nobody would want to put that name on their child. Nobody. Because Jezebel, she is leading Ahab into worshiping the God of Baal. And in fact, Ahab even sets up a tabernacle. He sets up a, a place to go and worship, an altar to Baal. He sets up a sacred pole for people to go and to worship these false gods. And it's amazing that as he's leading all the people of Israel, once again, don't forget the purpose of Israel was so that the whole world would see and know that there's one true God through them. But how are they going to find out that there's one true God if the people of Israel have their worship of another God? They're trying to do both. And so God sends Elijah. We don't know a whole lot about Elijah prior to this, but God sends Elijah. God gives him this courage, this boldness. And he goes and he proclaims that there will be a drought. There will be a drought. There will not be a drop of rain until Elijah himself speaks it once again. Now see, this is getting to the real core of it. Because in the worship of Baal, the belief was that Baal controlled the rains. That Baal himself was the one that oversaw the renewal of life. See, there was a period of time that it would be so drought-ridden. Everything would die out. But then they believed that through their worship, that through their worship of Baal, he would bring the rains. And rain upon the dry land 
bring forth new life. And so they believed that this, that they were causing this rainy season, this new life through worshiping Baal. You know, it's funny. We sometimes try to think that we have control over things. We really have no control over. Or sometimes we even try to portray that we ourselves have control over things we don't have control over. When my boys were little, they'd be in the back of the car and I'd be sitting at a stoplight and you may do this too. I'd start looking at the light over here to my right. And when I saw that light turn yellow, knowing that my light's getting ready to turn green, I would say, boys, I'm getting ready to turn that light green. No way, dad. Yes way. Watch. And I'd, as soon as it turned red, I'd go, boom. And the light would turn green. Wow. I had no control. It's kind of like walking up to the grocery store where the doors are going to automatically open. I'd walk up and say, watch me use the force. And the doors would open. I had no control. It was opening anyway. They had no control over the rain, but they believed that they did. They believed that through their earnest worship of Baal, that Baal would bring forth the rains and the new life and the renewal. And Elijah comes and says, you know what? You can do what you want to do, all you want to do. But it ain't going to rain until I call for it. And then Elijah leaves. Now, we're going to talk a little bit next week about what happens in the time that Elijah leaves. But as Elijah leaves, you can imagine the drought, this famine that's taking place. People are trying to worship, but nothing is coming about. And we learn in 1 Kings chapter 18, prior to the passage that Brad read just a few moments ago, Ahab is fed up. We believe that this drought took place over a period of years. And where's this drought of years? There's this famine. People are suffering. The king of Israel is overseeing people who were struggling and suffering, and they continue to try to worship Baal, hoping and praying somehow that that might bring about the end of this drought, this famine. But listen at what Ahab's really concerned about. In verse Five, Ahab says to Obadiah, go through the land to all the springs of water and to all the wadis. Perhaps we may find grass to keep the horses and mules alive and not lose some of the animals. He's more concerned about his horses and his mules than the people of God he's supposed to be leading. Now, look, I love my animals, but my children and my family will be taken care of first. Here, somehow the king of Israel is more concerned with his own power, with his own prestige. Look at all the livestock I have. Look at all the horses. Look at all the mules. Look at everything I have. He's more concerned about that than he is about the people of God who are suffering, who are struggling. And he is searching for an opportunity to be able to keep those things alive. And so ultimately... God sends Elijah. God sends Elijah back. And as Elijah comes back, these words are what he says. He calls out to them, how long will you go limping with two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. He's calling it out. He's calling out, you can't have it both ways. These two things are not compatible together. 
It's either one or it's the other. It reminds me of, of the letter to the church in Revelations that God says that you are like lukewarm. I wish you were either hot or cold, but you're lukewarm. And it make, makes me want to spew you out of my mouth. Here, Elijah's saying, why are you limping between two different opinions? If Baal's God, then worship Baal. If God is God, then worship God. But you cannot have them both. It's antithetical. They go against each other. And that's the life they've been trying to live. And sometimes that's the life we try to live. We live with one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. And we're always in the midst of this balance. But sometimes we find ourselves living too much into the world. And we lose sight of the life God has called us to in the kingdom. Those things are not compatible. My oldest son, Jacob, when he attended NC State, I go pack, I think it is. When he attended NC State, one of the things Jacob was most excited about, I think, more than classes, imagine that. One of the things he was most excited about of going to NC State was the Krispy Kreme Challenge. And some of you are familiar with this, I can tell. The Krispy Kreme Challenge is a five-mile race. And you run from the starting point to the Krispy Kreme, and there they have a dozen donuts out. And you have to eat a dozen donuts and then run back. <laughs> Jacob did this, and Jacob was fast. He was a fast runner. You had to, to do the five miles and eat the 12 donuts. You had to do all that in less than an hour. Jacob was a fast runner. Not that day. I didn't go watch him because I didn't want to see what happened after the people ate the dozen donuts and then tried to run the way back. You know, it just didn't make sense. Why would you try to put these things together? Either run or do the donuts. Don't do them both. It makes them sick. A lot of people get sick. And that's why I'll never go watch that race or participate. But a lot of people get sick. Folks, when we try to live with Baal and God, it's like running and eating donuts. We're going to get sick. Our lives are going to be constantly filled with struggle and turmoil. Our lives are going to be filled with just such chaos and confusion. God is calling on us just as he calls on the people of Israel. Be my people. You are mine. I mean, the people of Israel, they had the Ten Commandments. I mean, but do you remember what number one was? You shall have no other God before me. And here they are, the very first rule. And they're worshiping Baal. Friends, I don't want to look at them and just say, oh, those silly people of Israel. Because it's also me. It's also me that we find ourselves sometimes living a life of devoted to God, but also devoted to things of the world. Today, I want to be reminding you that when we live a life like that, it's just we're going to struggle. We're going to be filled with sickness, confusion, chaos. God has called us into something more. God has called us into something more. And we might have that life that is so abundant that all people might see and know and believe in the one true God through the way that we live a life fully committed, dedicated, fully entrenched in the camp of God as Lord Almighty.
Now, we could go through and talk about the rest of that passage of Scripture. I love the story. I love Brad. The way that you read it made me laugh. The way that he's mocking the gods, the people worshiping Baal, and the way that they're just crying out, maybe he's taking a nap. I think I've even heard before that one, another translation would say that maybe he's in the restroom. God is not somebody that's taking a nap. God is not some, something that we just cry out to that never hears us. God is always ready and waiting. And for us to have this abundant life that he's called us into, I think it's time that we renew ourselves, recommit. You're my God, and I am yours. So today, I invite you. Let's look at our lives. Let's consider the ways that maybe we've lived a life in both trying to keep a foot in both parts. But instead, let's find ourselves fully centered, fully centered and committed to God as our God. The Spirit speaks truth through Elijah. The, God pours out his Spirit upon Elijah, and Elijah is able to go into the face of even those who are seeking to kill him. He's able to speak a boldness, a truth. Today, may that Spirit speak to us as well. May we hear that truth within our hearts. Let us pray. God of grace and God of mercy. Today, we give thanks for your holy word. We give thanks for the ways that it reminds us how the spirit speaks. And sometimes that spirit speaks a truth that may be difficult for us to hear. But God, I pray that as we consider the ways that we've lived our lives, sometimes devoted to things of the world more than things of you, may we find ourselves fully committed to you. May we be renewed in that time of living a life that is fully dedicated to you. Lord, you're the one that speaks peace to the storm. You're the one that speaks life to the dead. Today, may you speak truth into our hearts and minds that we may be ever more dedicated, committed to following you. We pray these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.